Now stolen by Rock Sanders. Down the lane for the jam. And Mr. Sanders can drill his five. And McGrath takes the three on fire with it. We have lessons to do. Take to Kaba. Coast to coast for the jam. A straight man-to-man -man defense by Rutgers, but the Friars really aren't running much. Open three. Got it. Ryan Gomes nails the three. That's why he's a preseason number one team selection coming in. They leave this with 139 to go. 77-62. Oh, my. The grass by Sanders on the alley-oop. This is Gomes. Up and good. The chance for a three-point play. Terrific execution by the Friars. Ryan, I, I just said, it's one of the best players sitting in our league and starting to be look, look like one of the best players in the country. I don't know what else I can say. And if you want me to say stop, I stop. Right. Nice job staying with him there in the post. He can make these. And he does. A three ball for Gomes. They're as close as they've been in the second half. 27 for Ryan Gomes. You want me to say I up? For the fifth time, I up. All right, so put five times. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Friar Pod series, hosted by FriarBasketball.com and the Friar Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Billy Ritchie, joined by Kevin Farahar of FriarBasketball.com, and we're here to talk about the 2003-2004 season. Again, a magical run. By the Providence Friars, filled with everything. Filled with highs, filled with lows, filled with winning streaks, and some losing streaks as well. But most notably, one of the most esteemed Friar teams to ever put on the uniform. So to kick it off here in the 2003-2004 season, the second exhibition game was noteworthy because an old Friar friend who was pretty good for the team back in the 2001 season, Abdul Mills, showed some flashes of how special he could be for the Friars in the second exhibition game, where he played 25 minutes and hit 5 of 10 from 3, finishing with 19 points and 8 assists. Unfortunately for Abdul, though, he was never to get on the floor again for the Friars that year, and his career in Friartown would not live up to the esteem that he did early on in his career as well. So with, with Mills, it was interesting because you really didn't know what you were going to get from him after being away for a season away. He had, he had injuries even um, the year before that that he was bouncing back from. And to see him score 19 points and dish out eight assists and hit five threes, it was a really encouraging sign. But it was also setting up a bit of an interesting chemistry experiment for Tim Welch, where you had Sheku Kaba and Donnie McGrath had really good chemistry together. Right. So you're thinking, how are they going to incorporate Abdul Mills? Because it's going to be hard to play a three guard rotation when you have Rob Sanders there. You know, that kind of took care of itself, obviously, with Abdul Mills uh, getting hurt, never playing again. But uh, it's just an interesting footnote from this team that they potentially had their leading scorer from two years prior coming back to a team that already played so well through much of the season. So the Friars kicked off the 2003-2004 season in the regular season with a big opening win against Hofstra, 69 to 56. Yeah, Billy, that that was just an encouraging game. You know, it really, if you look at that Hofstra game, it was really the formula for success for them throughout that year. You know, Gomez went for 17 points and 14 rebounds. Sheku Kaba led the team with 19 points. Him and Donnie combined for eight for 17 from three. And then Marcus Dowd, that was just great. You know, he, he had 10 rebounds, he had seven blocks. It was just a really solid start. 
And I think the most encouraging thing was that was just a continuation of where they left off last year. It, it seemed like they hadn't really skipped a beat at all. And that set up for a really big game against Alabama at the dunk coming up next. So then the Friars took on the Alabama Crimson side, of course, known for their football prowess before their basketball prowess, had a 76-71 win. For those who listen to episode one, you'll know that Alabama reached the Elite Eight at the end of that exact season. PC led by as many as 22 in the second half. And the big story was, of course, Rob Sanders making three of four from three, showing a new side to his game. He hadn't even made a three-pointer the year before and finishing as the team's leading scorer with 18 points. Kev, what did you think of the win against Alabama? Yeah, Billy, the big thing was just Rob Sanders, just the way he started. You know, there's probably only a handful of guys you can really think of in PC history. The one guy that he reminds me of in some ways is is Jermaine Greedy Peterson, where they're both freakish athletes and they couldn't shoot at all early in their career. And they seemingly came back in the offseason shooting really well. And with Sanders, this wasn't an aberration, right? He went three for four from three this game. The very next game against South Florida, he went three for three. And then against URI, I think he went three for three in that game. So he started off just scorched from outside. But that was the big thing. All of a sudden, they had a completely different dimension if Rob Sanders was going to shoot that well from three. From Waterbury, Connecticut, forward Ryan Gomes, class of 2005. Like Marcus said, Rob was great. He could play either side, of course, of the zone. But he can cheat a little bit more on one side because of his athleticism. And if you had Sheku and him on the same side, it would really get, you know, put a lot of pressure on the defense. And then that's why, you know, then I could come, you know, play center field and get a steal off the track sometimes when we ran our 21, which is on the second pass back to the wing. We go ahead and jump and then trap it. And then that panics the guy and he tries to throw it back to the middle. And either Donnie would get the steal or I would get the steal, depending on, you know, which side. So the extension of our zone, uh, you know, helped us become a great defensive team and teams who couldn't, who didn't really shoot the ball extremely well or like to go you know more inside out didn't really have that opportunity because once they got it to the free throw line we would play man to man and Marcus would guard who was at the free throw line and me and Rob would take the two fours and Sheku and uh, Donnie would take the guards in the perimeter so that was our one of our little you know tricks trapping on the wing on the second pass or once it got to the middle we'll just match up and go man to man and that would kind of throw teams off because most guys like to just catch it and throw it all automatically to the wing because they think you're still in the zone. Now, this team had a decent amount of expectations coming into the year. But, Kev, as we chatted about with Coach Bob Walsh, the team, in his eyes, he wasn't sure if it was going to be too good. They had to feel like they were doing pretty good after that Alabama win, right? I would think so. You know, I, I honestly feel like the fans early in the year, there was a lot of energy. I remember being at that Alabama game. I was in the nosebleed sitting way back. And I, I just felt like there was a different energy there at the dunk. And that was an interesting thing to talk to coach Walsh about and the guys just to see if they kind of felt it too. Cause I really felt like the fan base, not everyone was buying in. And I was someone who was trying to tell everyone. I, I knew that I really thought that PC kind of turned a corner the year before. And um, the Alabama game was just a really solid win and led to a really good start for them. So then the Friars matched up against an eventual big East foe and current Conference USA team, South Florida, with a nice 84-60 to 60 blowout. Rob Sanders continues to shoot the lights out, going 3-for-3 three three from, from deep and scoring 17 points. Sheikh Ukaba led the team in scoring for the second time in the first in three games with 18. Kev, what did you think about this blowout win for the Friars? 
again, just more of the same, this really, really solid start. You know, you're, you're going into the season, you know, Alabama made a bit of a run, but they're up 22 in Alabama. They won pretty easily over Hofstra. They really rolled South Florida. And again, the, the encouraging thing was it was coming from all different players. You know, Gomes obviously coming to the season was known as the star, but Shikukawa was scoring great. Rob was really shooting the ball well. And you felt great heading into URI. It was an interesting time to be playing URI in 2003. From Katona, New York, class of 2006, Donnie McGrath. Yeah, I mean, we we knew we were going to be good. And for me, it was exciting to finish the year like that and get some recognition. So, you know, I, I was riding high. And, um, you know, it, it was it was probably the best offseason we had because that, like I said, that crew was tight. And we knew going into the year that we were going to be pretty good teams. So that was that was fun. Like those those offseason workouts were fun. They were competitive. We had those young guys coming in. That was competitive, too. So so our foes in Kingston, Rhode Island, who now have the Ryan Center, an 89-79 loss for the Friars at URI. Kev, talk to us about what the Blizzard game was like. Yeah, so people forget that this happened during the season, but this was a bit of a deflating loss. I remember I was going to go down to the game at the Ryan Center. So the Ryan Center was opening this year. It was the first time that PC had played at URI since 1972, and there was this huge blizzard. And going in, you know, PC had ended the year so well. They started this last year so well. They ended up this season playing great. So you're kind of thinking they're going to roll URI because URI was just playing terrible, and they, they just couldn't shoot. They were, you know, at the time entering that game, they, they were shooting 19% from three. They had gone four for 38 from three of their previous two games. And, you know, they got a good game from Gomes, 25 points. But URI, it was just one of those magical nights. I think we've seen it. You know, the URI fans get so excited, and the, there's such a, an energy in their, their building when PC is there. And that really carried over. You know, URI – a 10 of 14 from three, Dustin Halengo, who was a veteran for them. At one point, it was a pretty close game. He threw in like a 35-footer at the end of the shot clock to really kind of break PC's back. As Dustin Halengo, let's a long three go to meet the shot clock. 19 for Halengo. It was a bit of a deflating loss. You know, you're looking at that one thinking like, that's one you kind of, you know, and again, no disrespect to your eye, but it, they weren't a good team that year. So you're kind of looking at it as a bad loss and you're going into Madison Square Garden in two days going up against Illinois, who was a complete powerhouse. It just seems to be, unfortunately, some years where PC is on the ups and URI is on the downs where they play spoiler. And that was the feeling that it, that it had had to be for the Friars that, you know, they have some great wins. They're really starting to click. And then, of course, they run into an old foe who kind of stops the momentum. But at the end of the day, would the amazing win against Illinois at MSG happened without the downturn of losing to URI? We don't know. Of course, Donnie McGrath and Sheikh Ukaba, this is a homecoming in which they talk about. I mean, that day was big because I had my whole family there. I had, you know, I'm from a family of 16. So I needed 25 tickets, first of all, to get in the Madison Square Garden. My whole family's there. You know, we playing against three guards that's got drafted in the NBA, D. Brown, um, Deron Williams, and Luther Head. Those guys got drafted. So we playing against these guys, and they were ranked Illinois. But I was like, I, when we was going against the game, I knew it was a big game. It was a Jimmy V Classic. I guess we was the only team playing in the country that, that day. And I just was going into the game. We were rolling already. So it wasn't like, you know, it was just a, it was a big game, but it wasn't no game. It wasn't like, like we feared anything. We were coming out. We, we, were, we were playing good at the time. 
and we beat them by like 25 or something. We beat them. We beat them. We beat them pretty good. So it was just like a, it was just a big stage and we were just ready. You know, Providence Friars, we were just ready. We was cooking. We had everything going. We had everything going for our favor that year. I mean, that that game, especially. For me, that's that's one of the best games of my career, any level, professional included, just because, again, like my family being from New York, and it was a real statement game for us, national TV at the Garden. I probably had 50 people there in the crowd. I personally had a great game. Um, you know, they were ranked. We won. It was it was awesome. That's got to be one of the best memories that I had as a Friar. And those two guards also, Darren Williams and Dee Brown, were two of the best guards in the country too. So I just remember that week leading up to it, like, spending a lot of time with Tim Welsh and Bob Walsh and, you know, knowing that it was going to be, you know, a big game for me because, you know, those, those guys were tough to stop. So defensively, offensively, D Brown was a, he pressed a lot and stuff like that. So there was a lot of preparation leading up to that game. And I also had, I didn't score in the first half, but, um, you know, I, I felt, I felt confident and I felt like we were in a good spot. And then I just came out in the second half and had you know one of the biggest second halves of my career. I, I, I just think this game was, was just meant to be. Illinois had six NBA players on on their roster, most notably Darren Williams and Luther Head, and was the number one team in the country for most of the next year. Not to mention D Brown was on that team as well. And Ryan Gomes had a field day against Illinois. He went for 24 and 12 on the world's biggest stage. And Illinois shot eight of 26 in the second half, scored just 21 points overall. Donnie McGrath himself had 15 on his home floor. And to me, I just think about Marcus Dowden anchoring the zone. Like, I think about Marcus Dowden, like, send it to Marcus Dowden, and we're going to make this defense work. Well, we well, it's like this. We all talked about it this mean in the preseason about what is it going to take for us to, for us to get ranked. They was... We looked at the schedule that that uh, that we had, and we knew that Illinois was already preseason one of the top teams. And we said, you know what? We on the biggest stage. We at the Garden, you know, and it was early in the season. And we were like, listen, this is where we can get ranked. I think it was like a couple games back to back where we was like, if we win these games, we can be, you know, bump knocking on the door, uh, you know, in top twenty-five. And I'm like, so we kind of went for it, and 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 it was a test and. You know, I was like, listen, just send them to me. And that's how it, I actually, that's how it started. Send it to me. And I was kind of trying to break, you know, block records and stuff like that. But I was just like, send them all to me. And it just happened. You know, it just happened. We knew, I think we watched Illinois, I want to say like two weeks or something like that before, because they were playing on TV all the time because they was ranked so high. And we, we, we watched a few games and we did some scouting reports. And we kind of, as players, we, we looked at tape ourselves. And we knew who could guard who, and we kind of like broke the, broke them down the most because we like this is who we got to get through to get to the tournament. You know what I mean? And we knew that early in the season. Gomes for three, and the big guy. We told you he's worked on that shot. That dimension defensively. Sanders strong to the glass. That's pure athleticism and strength right there. Now the turnover by the Illini. Sanders. Kaba. Dalkins. That's great transition basketball. That's the days of Ernie D. Rebound went to McGrath who takes a three. And Providence has its first lead of the night. That's the second three by McGrath. They're going to create a lot of excitement up there in Providence. Dalkins to miss. Alone's again. Get him T.O. baby. Get him to Illinois. Bruce Weber get it to you. Size mismatch. 
Good help defense, though. But Gomes is at it again. I tell you, Gomes, they can't handle him inside. He's too quick, too active, too strong. Kev, Marcus Dowden blocking six shots. PC falling behind, but making it work on, on the world's biggest stage in the Jimmy V Classic. Yeah, to me, this was their coming out party. This is the Jimmy V Classic, Madison Square Garden. It's in December against an Illinois team that's ranked, I think, 14th in the country. is completely loaded. We know Darren Williams is going to go on to become an NBA All-Star. Um, but again, we talked about the formula for PC. And again, this was the formula. You know, goals 24 and 12, that just that consistent anchor. Doubt it, the anchor on defense with six blocks. And then Donnie McGrath completely caught fire in the second half. He had five threes in the second half. And PC was behind 12 to nothing. They couldn't score at all. And then they completely rolled them in the second half. Illinois, you know, they were eight for 26 in the second half, scored 21 points. And interestingly, after the game, Darren Williams said, I think we quit. I just think we quit. You know, and, and PC was capable that year of making a team that talented pretty much give in. And then there was a huge cap ride where Donnie threw an alley-oop to Rob Sanders, kind of cap it late in the game. And it was, for Friar fans, it was such a great, great moment. And Illinois turns it over again. They have not figured out the zone tonight. Oh, oh what a great two-man play. Oh, they're going to be rocking and rolling in Providence. A block of Providence. How did Rhode Island beat this team? Will you tell me? <laughs> no How did Rhode Island beat this team? Look at Sanders oh, on showtime. Ryan Gomes, class of 2005. We always knew when, you know, Sports Center will be rolling. Like we were, we were big fans of, you know, watching, you know, seeing when, what highlights will be on the game, whether we won or lost. Especially when we won, everybody wanted to see what was up there. So. You know, playing at the Garden, you know, we played St. John's, you know, years before some, I don't know how many times we played them at the Garden up to that point, but, you know, the Big East tournament is there. So we were familiar. We felt like that was a home game for us. And we knew, you know, Illinois had, the, you know, their top, I don't know if they were ranked in the country at the time, but they were up there. But we were, we were super confident going into that game. And especially with losing the URI after we won, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we won six in a row and then we lost the URI. And then we went on another six-game win streak, starting with the, you know the Illinois game. But going into that game, it was the you know Deron Williams, D. Brown, and Luther Head was the three-headed monster on on that team with Augustine James Augustine, who was a shot blocker, played the, above the rim. Um, Powell, Roger Powell as well, part of that team. So you know, I felt you know going into that game, we knew Sheku was ready to guard up any one of those guards, and Downey was ready to you know be recognized as an elite guard in the college basketball game. So confidence-wise, they were ready to go into that. And then, you know, for myself, same way, I mean, Marcus felt like, and Rob felt like their bigs weren't able to match up with us. So we were ready to go ahead and get back on track because we felt like we dropped the ball. Of course, losing to URI, we thought we should have won that game and uh, was going for number eight. So it was a Jimmy V Classic. We knew, you know, light, bright lights was going to be on it. We were just ready to go. Bob Walsh assistant coach so there's a couple of things about that game first of all we lost to uri the saturday before i believe i, th I think it was like a saturday tuesday so we lost to uri and we were kind of crushed and here we are we're going to play i think it was the jimmy v classic in the garden a couple of days later we had to have practice sunday monday get ready for illinois um that to me has always been one of the best coaching jobs i've seen uh, and, and one of the best that Coach Welsh did while I was with him, certainly, was responding from that URI game. Um, obviously, there's a ton of uh, 
intensity regarding that game and, and the fans and everything. I mean, I, I don't have to tell anybody who's watching this what that game means. Uh, and to lose that game and to have to bounce back from it is hard. And, and I remember sitting in Coach Welsh's office and talking about it and saying, Coach, you know, we got to go to New York to win a game. It's not about the Jimmy V or ESPN or we got, we need a win. Like, and, and all he talked to the team about was we're going to New York. Like the URI game was over. We're going to New York and we're going to win the game. And Illinois had a huge rep. Uh, it was interesting about that Illinois team. I think one of the best things we kind of figured out was that um, Deron Williams was their best player. And D Brown was the one getting all the hype. And I remember watching a ton of film and being like, okay, like, I think people are talking about the wrong guy here. Um, defensively, we did a great job in the second half. You mentioned, I think they shot 30%. I'll never forget Donnie got hot in the second half and he looked over at me. He, he hit like his third three and he looked over at me on the bench and said, don't take me out of this game. It was getting towards um, towards the middle or end of the second half. And I, I could see that Tim was kind of looking down. I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, that was pretty sweet. And I remember saying back to him, well, then win it for us. And he was just he was in a zone. He was intense. Uh, I do think coach took him out for a little bit in the second half and put him back in. But uh, that was a huge, huge win for that team. And like I said, one of the best coaching jobs Tim Welsh did while I was with him was getting our team mentally to bounce back from URI and just eliminate all the noise, all the noise about URI, all the noise about Jimmy V, the garden, you know, the nine o'clock game, all that stuff. And we're just here to win a basketball game. Uh, and we were able to get it done. Even though we've played here in the garden, it's still the world's most famous arena. We have the jitters to start the game. But our, once our guys got loose, we felt great. Ryan Gomes, seven points in the first half. He was tearing the second half. What was different for him? You know, I always tell him, I want you to play like you're the best player on the floor. And sometimes he's so humble, so unselfish, that he doesn't act that way. Second half, he acted that way. That Illinois led to an unprecedented amount of momentum. Five wins, Illinois, Central Connecticut State, Richmond, Sienna, and an old familiar foe, Pete Gillen and Virginia. Now, I remember this Virginia game like it was yesterday because I just remember Donnie was in a zone. He knocked down five threes, but there was also some tragedy in that game. Rob Sanders broke two fingers and would kind of set up a little bit of turmoil for the Friars as we go later on in the season. But Brian Gomes, of course, readied the ship with 27 and 11 rebounds. Kev, what did you think of the Virginia game? So that was one. It was just... Of course, it feels good. A coach leaves you for, you know, a program that's supposed to be a step up over yours. And Providence didn't just beat him, they killed him. And I think what we saw a lot of times with Donnie McGrath is he'd go on these runs where he'd knock down, you know, five or six threes in the game. We saw it against Illinois and against Virginia. You know, Donnie hit five threes in that game. And, and McGrath takes the three on fire with his fifth three-pointer of the afternoon. They basically put on a show in the second half. There are all sorts of big dunks by Sanders. Now stolen by Rob Sanders. Down the lane for the jam. And Gomes was just unstoppable in that game. And at that point, you know, PC's 8-1. and one. You know, that they had the what felt like kind of a fluke against URI. They beat, you know, you mentioned Richmond. That was a tournament team, too. That was a narrow victory. Sheikh Ukaba hit a free throw with, I think, no time left or a second to go. And... 
just the feeling of providence. All of a sudden, you know, you 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 kind of beat down Pete Gillen at Virginia, which feels great. And you're eight and one heading into Texas. And all of a sudden, the buildup for that game is unbelievable. You know, Texas is a coming off a of final four appearance the year before. They've got Rick Barnes, and we just knew that the dunk was going to be absolutely electric. You know, not many games you find a former coach or star like people in the city at the game. Rick Pitino just happened to be at this game. The Friars were ranked 25th. Texas was ranked 18th. Texas had been as high as number six in the country just a few weeks earlier. So Texas, yeah, they were they were ranked sixth. And the thing is, too, the reason why their ranking dropped, their two losses were to Arizona and I think Duke. So it's not like they had any sort of terrible losses that bumped them down. They just lost two games to two really – really good teams. And Bill, like you mentioned, Rick Pitino was there. Dave Gavitt was there. And I think it just, for the first time in a long time, even though they made the tournament in 2001, it felt like an event. There are certain games in Providence where you just feel like this is an event. You feel like you're at something really important. It's something that's going to be huge. It was on ESPN. It was Sean McDonough. It was Bill Raftery. It was Jay Billis. And, and again, you just felt like we were coming off of the Illinois win and Providence was really on the map. And it, you just felt like not only was that an event, but Providence was really building something here. Donnie McGrath, class of 2006. To me, that's, that's the best I've ever seen the dunk. It's the loudest I've ever seen the Dunkin' Donuts Center. It's probably the most memorable game I played at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Um, just because of, you know, how hyped it was. They were a good team. We were a good team. Um, that was awesome, man. I, I ended up playing against PJ Tucker for a few years overseas, and we became pretty pretty good friends. And even him, he remembered that game like perfectly, like down to the last seconds. You know what I mean? Unfortunate ending, but uh, you know, definitely one of the most memorable games of the dunk. One of the most memorable games of my career for sure. Now that game, now that game. See that game. It, see that game in the Illinois game is a big difference. That Illinois game, it was in New York City, Mass Square Garden. You felt that. But to see the Dunkin' Donuts rocking like that, that place was rocking. And we were down 20 at the half. We came out 2-3 zone. They were ready to go. They was hitting everything. We couldn't hit nothing. We turned around. We went man-to-man in that second half, and we went up one. <laughs> we went up one with, like, under a minute to play. We was down 20 at the half, if you recall that game. Mm-hmm. We was down 20 at the half. And we got in the locker room, we were looking at each other, and coach was like, oh, we got to play. We got to play. We just got to play hard. And then Steve DeMann was like, coach, that's because we got to go man. I heard Steve DeMann said, we got to go man. And after we went man to man, we, we started pressing them. When we got back in the game, they started throwing the ball away. That way, I made me feel like we should have came out like that from the beginning. We might have beat them. Bob Walsh, assistant coach. Would anybody else get the shakes watching PJ Tucker run around in the NBA finals right now? Like, cause I, I do. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk about with that game. You know, the intensity was, you know, through the roof in the building. Uh, you know, it was one of those classic, you know, Providence civic center nights where, you know, the smoke from the grill uh, up top where they're cooking the burgers was like, you know, floating through the building and there was like this you know this atmosphere that was just incredible uh i'm I'm pretty sure rick patino was at the game uh i think he was visiting his son who was one of our student assistants at the time um we got punched in the mouth to begin with and 
I mean, we were down big and it was kind of like, you know, they showed up for a fight and we showed up for a game and, and we were getting knocked around. I remember at one point having a conversation on the bench with coach about, you know, I, Gomes had hit a shot and then like got a steal and we got a fast break layup and it went from like, you know, we were down 19 to down 14 or something like that. And, you know, he was talking about making some subs. I said, I said, coach, we just figured out how hard we have to compete to win this game. Like we're going to be fine. You know, and it just, uh, the crowd was incredible. Like you talk about the crowd having an impact at the dunk, like they just wouldn't let us um, turn and run, you know, when things weren't going our way. So now most remember this game, unfortunately, by the end in which the buzzer sounded, but I mean, the Friars trailed by 21 in this game and clawed basically all the way back. Donnie hit a three with 3.7 left in OT to tie it. And then, of course, P.J. Tucker hit it at the buzzer. Tucker all the way to the foul line, lays it up, does it count? The official are looking at each other, they're going to go to the monitor. And the refs watched the replay at least 10 to 15 times. Donnie, the shot that Donnie hit, I made the extra pass to him. They swung it to me because I was going to shoot it. But then I see him, I just I just gave him an extra pass, and Donnie was already in motion because he we had that connection. So when he shot and he hit it, I was like, yes. Like I thought, I thought we was gonna win that game. I thought we should have won that game. We we should have won that game. That game was we should have won that game. And that basket that they counted with PJ Tucker made, that basket was no good because the ball was in his hand. The light went off, but the horn didn't sound. That's what happened that day. Because if you look at it, the replay, when I look at that tape. The ball's still in his hand and the light is on, but the horn di didn't sound until the ball left his hand. So they counted, they played the horn and not the light. Yeah, I mean, look, the game changed college basketball, right? I mean, Tim Higgins was officiating, you know, the the, the clock was at zero, but the light wasn't on yet or, or the light was on and the clock, you know, whatever it was. And it used to be you looked at the light and now they've changed it um, because of that game. I mean, I thought it was late, but it's also like we didn't have like video monitors and stuff like that. There weren't like replays that we were like watching on it. So we really had no idea. And then the way they did it, how they just scored it and walked off. It was it was like it all happened so quick. So, you know, I, I wish back then we, we could have like seen it and stuff like that. But I mean, it all happened so fast. Man. It, it was it sucked the way it ended because we thought we were going into another like Oh man, you wanted to bring that's a that was a nightmare game, man. That was that's a game that you know still, you know I tell PJ Tucker when I when I ran into him a bunch of times in the NBA, like you know, thankful thanks to you, you know they got the red light behind every basket now, you know <laughs> they should have waved that they should have waved that off because how many times we've seen that replay yeah. and we know that it was still in his hand. So you know I joke with him about that, but I mean that because that was the end of the game. A tough thing for PC was Rob Sanders was out. He broke two fingers at Virginia, and he ended up missing quite a few games. Um, but I think PC fans are just so ready for this one that people weren't even focused on that. And to be honest, I think that's why the team fell behind. They almost were too fired up for it. When I think about the Texas game, I just think about a place that almost we'd never been before, where we were on our home court, and we knew we had the ability to win this game. We were part of something that was at such a high level that we're just not used to as a program. 
Yeah, Bill, to your point too, I, I feel like it had been so long since PC felt like it had this kind of marquee regular season game. Again, no disrespect to anyone, the 01 team, but there wasn't this one game that 2001 season at home where it seemed like everyone was focused on it. There was that much hype around it. And it just felt like, it felt like we belonged. We're on ESPN, that, that's where PC should have been at that time for where the program was. Obviously, they get off to a terrible start. They go down by 21 points. I think what was, I remember vividly, you know, there, there was a lot of hype behind Gerald Brown coming in. And I was dying to see him. He played for Hargrave Academy, which was a big powerhouse. And he, I mean, his shooting percentages were crazy. He was a probably a 6'3", 6'4", guard who shot 88% of the line and 60-something percent from the field at Hargrave at this big powerhouse. And I, I think it was a move by Tim Welsh out of desperation, but he pulled in Gerald Brown and, this is how in tune the fans were at the time. You know, they, they just, they knew the ins and outs of the team and they saw Brown come in and they got this kind of lift out of the crowd. And that was kind of a, in a weird way, even though they were down kind of a cool moment. And, um, you know, they just started pressing and they turned the game around and that second half was absolutely wild. Ryan Gomes, class of 2005. Oh, Gerald, man. Gerald was one of the funniest guys I ever been around. He just was a, you know, he was a jokester. He made everyone laugh at all times. Very, uh, he's a competitor, you know, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore kid, and he's very competitive. He was athletic, very athletic for his size to finish. Um, could handle the ball. Uh, I thought that, you know, in a, he was a great locker room guy for us. I know that year we were coming back with just, you know, our, you know, kind of veteran team. So a lot of the younger guys didn't really get as much of an opportunity as probably as they wanted. But like he came in and he, he you see, why he was a good defensive player. He came in, brought some energy to that game, and helped us get back into that game as well because he came in early in that in the, in the moments of that game. So you know, rest in peace to Gerald Brown. But he was a he was a character off the court, especially, but on the court he was a competitor and uh, he can really handle the ball and he had athleticism. Bob Walsh, assistant coach. Yeah, and Gerald Brown, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, Gerald was a good kid. I enjoyed coaching him, uh, starting with him. You know, again, we thought we had enough guard play. I, I don't know that if G was ever fully bought in uh, to red shirting. And I, I don't know that that many guys really understand it. It's like, okay, well, I'll get a, you know, I'll be pretty happy in my fifth year when I'm working on my master's and I'm playing a lot versus getting spot minutes as a freshman. But everybody wants to play and Gerald wanted to play. And um, I'd be lying if, I didn't say that move was kind of out of desperation. You know, coach and G had talked about it and G was like, look, coach, you want, you know, I want to play. Right. So now looking back with the number of minutes Gerald played that year, would you have put him in, you know, in the game and, and, and taking the red shirt off? I don't know. I mean, he did contribute in other games for sure, but never became, you know, really a rotational player. I think with him, we thought, you know, what we had in Sheku, we thought Gerald was going to be that. Right. Was it was a, a tough physical guard who could shoot it with some athleticism. Um, and we thought we had enough at that spot. Um, you know, Dwight was more of a G Gerald was more of a scorer uh, and a playmaker for himself. Dwight could get other people invo involved. Dwight had a little bit of a point guard mentality. You know, Dwight was a lot of fun to coach. He, he could Dwight. We, we always joke Dwight heard what he wanted to hear. You know, like, uh, and obviously he struggled. I mean, he, he was, you know, um, with his disability, but um, 
he was a really, really intuitive kid, like really like understood. I mean, I think he was forced to understand the game and see the game and recognize the game in different ways. And he gave us some versatility when Rob Sanders got hurt that really, really helped us. Yes, I had I had that conversation um, with both of those guys, just letting them know, you know, there's a long season. Anything can happen. You know, I let them know I got an opportunity to someone getting injured and not knowing the timetable of how long they will be back. So always, you know, keep your, you know, your heads up, always be positive. You know, I know it might be hard now, but once you get out of this situation or once you get your opportunity, just be ready. So you won't have to be searching for another situation. So I did explain that to them, but I think it's, it's, it was harder for them to understand it because I, the, the place I was in at that moment, you know, some players don't, you know, really want to they like to hear it, but they don't, it doesn't resonate with them right away because where I was at playing so much time, they, they don't remember, you know, the grind that I had to go through as well. So it was kind of, I think they were hearing it, but they didn't want it to be, they didn't want to go through that process. They just want to play right then and there. Yeah. So I, I think a forgotten part of this game is PC came all the way back. You know, Gomes was unbelievable in the second half and PC basically had it. PC was up three. And they actually, they pretty much got a stop. And the ball trickled out to the three-point line. Royal Ivy puts up a three-pointer with about 15 seconds to go and buries it. PC gets stopped at the end of regulation. It goes to overtime. Uh, The interesting thing for Royal Ivy is he was a guy that was rumored to come to PC um, a couple years prior. I think Steve DeMeo had a relationship with him. And, boy, he seemed to like to stick it to PC. And that was a Big, big shot form that sent the game to overtime. Big New York guy. Well, I was playing in Queens, from Queens. Went to Cardoza High School. Big New York guy. We were talking. Me and him was talking a lot of junk to each other. What? New York City guys, we out there. We talking a lot of mess. We talking it. Yeah, and, and Royal Ivy, who went to Steve DeMeo's high school, little known fact, and played in the NBA. And and his coach, Royal Ivy, was, was a very, very under-the-radar recruit. And quite honestly – we probably could have had him if we recruited him. Um, and Royal Ivy enjoyed making shots against the Friars. Let's just put it that way. I remember, did we go back there the next year to Texas or was it the year before? I mean, he, he, he hit a couple of shots in front of our bench and was patting Tim on the, on the hip as he ran by, you know, so. Of course, everybody remembers how the game ended. Kev, what did you think? Of Donnie's three. Yeah, I being the jaded PC fan, you're down three. And PC seems to be aimlessly passing the ball around a little bit. You're thinking like, oh, God, this is going to end in some sort of desperation shot or no shot of getting off at all. And it's going to be so frustrating. And I remember they swung it to Sheikh Ukaba near the top of the key. And he had a decent look, but he made the extra pass. And Donnie, his heels were almost just over the end line. And Texas had the center, uh, James Thomas, I think his name was. He came stretching out and Donnie just got the three over his hand and put this high arcing three up. And when that thing went in, the place went absolutely ballistic. From the corner! We'd be remiss not to talk about, unfortunately, the P.J. Tucker shot heard around the world. Uh, I remember, and I'll never forget this because it was a great lesson for me as a head coach, uh, about handling huddles. Uh, the last thing our guys heard from Coach Welsh after Donnie hit the three 
when they had to go the length of the floor in 3.7 seconds was don't foul, don't foul. Whatever you do, don't foul. And if you watch the, the film, Marcus Douthat, who's one of the best shot blockers we've ever had in Friartown, he stepped up to P.J. Tucker, and as P.J. Tucker went to shoot, he backed up and he put his hands down. You know, and, and I remember thinking to myself, well, we kept saying, don't foul, don't foul. And that's exactly what he did. You know, he didn't foul. So Marcus Doughton, class of 2004. When we played against those dudes, it was just like, it was an all out war. It was just really war. And, and you know, what better game is, is there to, to, to play is, is a top team, Texas, at our house. Well, we, I think we were ranked and they were ranked at the same time. We were just trying to move up. We knew that they was in our way. And to this day, we won that game. <laughs> and the reason why they hold changed the whole shot clock is because of that game. So, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And it was a good battle. And 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 that's something that is definitely uh, is a memory that uh, that we all cherish you know in our, in, our, in our career forward ryan gomes all in all that game you know i know we came out we came out so flat you know not flat in the way we were excited we were really really pumped you know barnes was coming back we went to texas early and my freshman year we went down to austin and played them my freshman year down there and they handed it to us they beat us pretty bad down there so we had that checked off to play them that junior year and we were ready to you know play them you know shake who had a battle with Royal Ivy, who was a who is a New York guard as well. Me and James Thomas had some um, battles from when I played in my freshman year. Uh, I know Byron Mouton and, you know, Rob Sanders was a good matchup just size wise and what they brought to, to each of the, um, the team. So I know going into that game, we were ready. We were ready to Providence Fanatics, uh, you know, the, the Friar Fanatics was ready. And it just we came out so flat. I think we didn't score a field goal for about 10 minutes and maybe eight minutes. Uh, we made free throws and stuff that kept us in the game. And then we went back to the press where we kind of what we did in St. John's game back that sophomore year. And we were able to get back into the game and, you know, get excitement into the arena. And then, you know, coming down to the wire, we had a chance and, you know, to go to overtime. But, you know, we had a gamble. I think it was, you know, still say gamble at half court for the reach. I think it was Dwight who reached at half court, and then P.J. Tucker went behind his back, and two seconds, he threw it up, like, right off of Marcus's fingertips and horn sound. I remember they're leaving out, and the fans throwing bears and everything on <laughs> on the players and at, at Rick Barnes and everything because, you know, just so much love and so much emotion was in that. It was in the Dunkin' Donuts Center, along with Rick Pitino, if I'm not mistaken, was at that game as well. So, you know, you just had alumni in the building. You had just all the memory, all the love from all the friars that have been there, and then us playing on the court and it kind of just being, you know, stripped from us at the end of the game. And I think that's, you know, that is something that kind of, that stings still right now, that game right there. was reviewed 10 to 15 times. was, of course, something that put us in a long friar misery after an amazing game. Do we think that shot actually counted? I didn't in the moment, you know, it's interesting. They changed the rule at that point or they not even the rule. They changed how the whole thing was structured at the time. If you recall, the baskets didn't have the lights that went off around the edge of the basket. Um, and they, because there was so much controversy at the time, you know, they decided to add the lights around the hoop. So refs could see it better. But I mean, that was just chaos. I remember we sat there for, 
mean, it, it felt like a good 15 minutes. And I remember thinking like, there's no way they're going to count this because they know this place is going to absolutely lose it if they count this shot. And, you know, all of a sudden I remember sitting there and you see Tim Welsh rip off his jacket and throw his arms around. I was like, oh my God, they counted it. And the place just turned into a mob scene. There were there was beer being thrown in the court. People were absolutely livid. It was a, it, pretty much just an incredible scene. It was wild. I wonder if the refs actually checked the replay as many times as they did because they truly were afraid of how the fans were going to react. I mean, I remember the ESPN article where it just started off it's like officials have to check replay on shot. Like, like, you know, and they checked it again and again, like you gotta, you gotta wonder why they checked it so many times. <laughs> it was never ending. It was so anticlimactic, especially back then, because you know now everything gets replayed at every level of sports. I remember the Red Sox, you know, when they closed up the Yankees a few years ago, they, they reviewed the play at first base. It was so anticlimactic. It was kind of the same thing where you're just waiting for you know, it was this highly emotional experience for almost three hours. And then to sit there for 10 minutes and just have it end without, you know, not on a play, just basically waiting and have it to end like that was just kind of bizarre. We'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Friar Pod series hosted by FriarBasketball.com and the Friar Podcast. If you like our content and you've enjoyed this Friar Pod series, please follow the Friar Podcast at the Friar Podcast on Instagram and at the Friar Podcast on Twitter. And please be sure to visit FriarBasketball.com. We'd like to thank Kevin Farahar for joining us. And we'd like to thank all of you for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.